If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. The last episode of this season, the three Ps, pessimism, perfectionism, and personality. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic, and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Welcome back to the final episode of season one. And it has hopefully built up some groundwork, laid some foundation, some key wisdom, key knowledge for your future endeavors throughout your running career. So it's exciting stuff. I do have very big ideas for season two. We're going to be talking about running strength, resistance training, and delving a bit more into the strength side of things more than what we've covered in these universal principles. I started listening back through the recordings back to episode one to do a bit of self-reflecting and see how I sound. And I do realize I'm saying um a lot. So sorry for that. I'll try my best to work on it. I don't do a lot of editing when it comes to post-production stuff. I don't cut out ums and ahs and that sort of thing like most other podcasts. I just find a lot of gaps in or gaps of silence when I'm thinking about things and I just cut that out. But as far as that goes, everything else is quite raw. And I do that just to help my speaking skills. If I say um and ah a lot and I cut it out, I'm not learning and I'm not becoming a better podcast host and interviewer. So I've left a little bit of accountability. I'm going to keep them in there and hold me accountable if I say it too much. The final lesson, the three Ps, the pessimism, perfectionism, and personality. What does that exactly mean? How does it apply to running? That's what we're going to delve into this episode. I think the best way to structurally go through this is to start with our ebook chapter to see what Pete's up to when we last had a chat. His knee pain was getting really grumbly and more and more irritated. So the physio gave him some strengthening exercises along with a return to running program. And yeah, let's tune in. So Pete followed instructions perfectly and built his mileage back up to previous levels. However, he was nowhere near the level of fitness required to run the marathon. Pete made the sensible decision to downgrade to the half marathon and he'll fight to live another day. He had a great time on race day, but deep down he was very disappointed. Yet again, injuries have now forced him to withdraw from a run he has worked so hard on. In the past when he was working towards his 10k, he had to back out of that as well. So, looking back on the 12, the last 12 months of his running career, thoughts began to creep in. Am I always destined to be injured? 
when I start to increase my training load? Am I too weak to be a runner? Perhaps marathons are not for me. Looking at his friends and other runners on social media, completing marathons with smiles on their faces, holding up medals, Pete cannot help but feel frustrated and resentful. So this is where the three P's come into it. Pessimism, perfectionism, and personality. I just realized that a lot of times when you say the P sound, it creates like a bit of a P pop and I have to edit it out later to make sure it doesn't burst your eardrums. So this episode, this title, there's going to be a little bit of um, that sort of editing. Let's get into the physio part of the chapter. There's a link between personality traits and likelihood of injury based on characteristics such as competitiveness, perfectionism, pessimism, and other negative outlooks. Injuries are a part of running. There will always be another race. Keep optimistic and accept that injuries are just another chapter in your running journey. Each injury can be considered as a part of the game, full of fluctuating emotions, allowing another opportunity to build on your tools and build character. Feelings of frustration and helplessness manifest within Pete, but in reality, Pete's this is Pete's first year of running and expectations shouldn't be set too high. Every time there is an injury, he gathers some valuable information on injury prevention. To conclude, injury-prone Pete completed his marathon six months later. He then went on to complete three more the following year. Throughout the process, he encountered one minor calf strain and his previous knee pain returned twice. Keeping in mind the principles above, he managed to resolve these hiccups within one to two weeks without losing any fitness. Regular checkups with the doctor continued to be positive and Pete has never had more energy. Looking back at the frustrating moment when he couldn't run his first marathon now seems minuscule and petty. For the first time, Pete feels in control of his running. He doesn't feel hesitant to increase his mileage and is prepared to challenge himself with bigger races. That's where we conclude Pete's journey. Just reading that now, I I thought I'd recap on the strain that I had in my calf the past week because it actually is quite similar to this. Um, As I talked about last time, I was starting back on the treadmill, doing five minutes on, five minutes off, or off being on the bike, and things were looking positive. So today... I managed a very slow but 4K run along with some swimming, along with some gym work and everything's feeling totally fine. So that was a week ago I started noticing those calf issues and I've managed to maintain my fitness. I have now got to 4Ks of running and I'll continue building on that throughout the next week. And I can't help but think if someone was to make poorer decisions that aren't as sensible would they be having a lot more calf pain? Would it be getting worse? Would their downward spiral journey begin? It's interesting to think about, but just using a real world example or like real time example, I'm not frustrated. I know that injuries and strains and all that are just a part of running. We can't 100% prevent injuries, but we can make the right moves to lower that risk and we can make the right moves once you are injured to recover a lot quicker, bounce back better, and become better runners because of it. Peter. You aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. 
It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even play in triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. He's learned a lot throughout his journey, and every time he gets injured, he learns something. And hopefully, you can start learning from your injuries as well, and self-reflect, recognize the errors in training that you've done so that you don't make that mistake again in the future. Last episode, I talked about the peace and love acronym that we have for injuries and rehab. And that love acronym was representing load, optimism, vascularization, and exercise. And we went into a few details with those last episode, but I want to talk about the optimism. So it is in, it is highly regarded as an important factor with recovery now. Optimism. I did write a blog about this a while ago and reflecting on a few of the studies that revolve around this. And so I thought I'd share it in the podcast today. So apart from my blog, uh, it says they studied 300 non-injured recreational runners for two years to see who was injured in that time and then tried to find a common link. They found, contrary to several long-held beliefs, that flexibility, arch height, quadriceps angle, rear foot motion, lower extremity strength, weekly mileage, footwear, previous injury, all of this had no predictive value on whether someone was to get injured. And this is 300 recreational runners, so it's quite a large sample size. They did, however, find a link with poorer mental health outcomes or mental health questionnaires, more specifically around negative states such as feeling jittery, irritable, and nervous. So very interesting that they found those. A few studies have investigated perfectionism and they define this as striving for flawlessness and setting exceedingly high standards of performance accompanied by tendencies of overly critical evaluations of one's behavior. It's possible that perfectionists are more susceptible to bad training decisions, refusing to take a day off in the early stages of an injury, or ramping up their training more quickly than their body can handle. Several studies have shown a link with perfectionism and running injuries, but there was a study by Madigan D. et al. 2017 that went one step further. They broke down the definition into two subcategories, perfectionism strivings, which were personal standards and a self-orientated striving for perfectionism or perfection, so pretty much just holding up to your standards. And then there were perfectionism concerns, so concerns over mistakes, feelings of discrepancy between one's standards and performance and negative reactions to imperfection. And so they're two different things, like holding yourself accountable, holding yourself um, in a higher regard and striving to be better. But then there's, on 
uh, as the subcategory, the concerns, so the worries and fears and all that sort of thing. They found the perfectionism concerns showed a significant positive correlation with injury, but not with the perfectionism strivings. In fact, runners who were rated high on the perfectionism concerns were markably 17 times more likely to suffer an injury that forced them to miss training compared to the rest of the runners. 17 times more likely, can you believe it? So I want you to reflect on your past training, your training errors that you've made. Um, In hindsight, training errors are quite obvious, but what what is the drive behind this? Why do you do those training errors? Was it ignorance, enthusiasm, determination, competitiveness, all these personality traits? And you might make these direct associations with uh, other runners that you know. In the personal development realm, I follow a lot of Tony Robbins, my brother being a life coach as well. He always parts his wisdom on me. But Tony Robbins says, people always try to be perfect. Perfectionism is the lowest standard in the world because if you're striving to be perfect, you know you can never achieve it. So what they really have is a standard that they can never achieve. You want to be outstanding, not perfect. So that's what Tony Robbins says. Back in, I think it was episode two, I talked about productivity and in my ebook, I have a few spelling errors and I know a lot. I know my cousin Ryan, he said his love on the podcast, but made the comment that there's a few uh, cutouts in episode four. Uh, half of my sentences are cut out and didn't really make sense. It was a bit of a glitch. Um, was an editing error, but I'm not striving for perfect. I'm striving for B plus work. If I do B plus work, I work really hard on it and then it goes out there to the world. And if there are a couple of mistakes here and there, that's fine. I think this is really good quality stuff. I think my ebook is really, really good quality stuff. And so I'm happy for that to go out to the world. If I was to strive for perfectionism, I would be meticulously going through every little thing and it would take five, ten times the time to get to you guys and get to the world. So I would rather keep the momentum going and happily accept if there are a few imperfections along the way. You might have seen from my blog or in the Facebook group that I just finished the book called Rebound and I thought I would share a few key points that I took away from it. Recovery is a mental game as much as it is a physical game. Studies have shown that athletes with positive psychological responses to their injury are more likely to return to their sport. So positive psychological responses are things like your past experiences, have you recovered from that in the past, what beliefs, what emotions are you associating with that injury, and we must learn to recognize the impact your emotions and thoughts have on your recovery, and then develop strategies to streamline the healing process. So this is what the book is about. How much negative stress do you subject your body to when you are injured? Do you beat yourself up for it? Do you constantly manifest negative emotions associated with that injury? Chronically triggering your stress response can be detrimental to your healing and it can delay tissue growth and repair, reduce the function of your immune system, disrupt your sleep, increase your risk of injury. So this is if you're constantly feeding negative stress through your mind to your body when you are injured. 
Sometimes the stress can arise because you are focusing on the things that you can't control, such as healing times or race day timeframes. If you have a marathon in six weeks and you're injured, that six weeks you have no control over. The marathon isn't going to hold off while you're recovering. And healing times, if you have like a torn ligament or a fracture or a muscle tear, there's nothing you can do to completely heal that in two days time. It's out of your control. When you focus on these aspects, you end up having negative emotions and negative experiences, further feeding that stress response. Instead, take responsibility of your recovery. Remind yourself you are still an athlete and reframe your situation so that recovery is now your sport. A lot of people in the book, they talk about a shift in identity and if you're a runner or just say a basketballer and you get injured and it might be a career ending injury, people really struggle with their loss of identity. They've always seen themselves as a basketballer and now they can't play and they really, really struggle and that contributes to that emotional stress that they're subjecting their body to. So if you remind yourself that you're still an athlete and reframe your situation so that recovery is now your sport, then you can get rid of these old goals that you have and replace them with new ones. It's a very structured and positive strategy that you can use. Let's go back to this iceberg analogy because get ready for this one. It's a good one. If we talk about the difference between IQ and EQ, so EQ being your emotional intelligence... And the definition of emotional intelligence, which I just looked up, was the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions. How does this apply to your iceberg? If the structure and the size of the iceberg represents your resilience, your ability to handle load, and the waves of the load you subject your body to, in this analogy, the three Ps represent the condition of the water that you place your iceberg in. So in this analogy, we essentially have control of your waves, the height, the frequency of the waves, and as a result, that contributes to a bigger iceberg. You can't just make your iceberg bigger, but you do have control of the waves. However, you do not have control of the overall environment that you put it in, and that water that that iceberg is submerged in is sometimes out of your control. So... How does this apply to the analogy? So your emotions lie beneath your surface. It's if you have track athletes or sport athletes, unless you really delve deep and get to know them, a lot of these emotions aren't on the surface. It's what people don't see. The second, uh, you don't always have control of the environment you're in. Similar to you don't always have complete 100% control of your emotions. So if your iceberg is in water, Sometimes we don't have control, complete control of the temperature, the current, the undertoes that it might have, or its chemical compositions, what, it, what the substances that it has in the water. And it can all contribute to the health quality of our iceberg. And the, the third thing is that the iceberg is 90% underwater. That's just based on the composition of an iceberg. Every iceberg, no matter what size, 90% of it is going to be underneath the water. That's 90% influenced by your surroundings. So sometimes we have rough currents. Sometimes we will drift into warmer climates, which aren't good for icebergs. Uh, there might even be oil spills. Who knows? 
And yes, 90% of your iceberg is floating in these conditions. But also the waves have the same properties. We can control the waves, but if we can't control if they're warm waves, if they've got oil, if there's an oil spill, if there's some oil in those waves. And that's what you're subjecting your body to. So if you have, for an example, someone who's really stressed, really anxious, or angry about something within a certain day, that is your environment. That's the ocean that you've put your iceberg in. Why would you, if you're angry and frustrated, smash your body with a run? That is getting warm weather waves and just thrashing your iceberg with it. We don't want to do that because then your your iceberg will slowly melt. We want to use our hard sessions and our big waves when all the conditions are really strong and thrive in an, in an iceberg environment. Yes, if there is warmer weather or if it is a warmer ocean, you can go for a run, but make sure they're only small waves. Make sure they're infrequent waves. And make sure that you try and work on improving that environment. The more you work on your EQ, your emotional intelligence, optimism, positive beliefs, this gives you a better ability to float your iceberg out of harm's way. You can't simply just pick it up and place it on the other side of the world in better conditions like you can with emotions. You can't, if you're angry, it's really hard just to flick a switch and then all of a sudden you're optimistic. That doesn't work that way, but you can guide it in the right direction if you do practice gratitude and optimism, positive beliefs, those sort of things. So if we do practice these things and we have better control of our EQ, that gives us a better ability to start guiding our iceberg towards a better environment. And if we do so manage to inevitably get into some oil spill or some unideal environment, we can gently guide it into a more thriving environment. So develop a strong belief in your ability to recover with patience and discipline. Instead of feeling like a victim of your injury, see it as a rite of passage. And then you can take it one step further. Instead of seeing it as a rite of passage, you, you can use it as, see it as an opportunity to grow. So switch from a helpless trauma scenario to a rewarding journey. With that said, I want you to reflect on your past injuries. What are the emotions, thoughts, beliefs, coping strategies, body language, that are, and all of those things, are they really truly serving you? What story do you tell yourself about your injury, about your recovery? I know a lot of clients that I see that come in with low back pain, their recovery and their pain intensity is significantly higher and their recovery is more delayed if they tell themselves a story that's not serving them. If they have a relative who's had the similar back pain and their pain got worse and worse and worse and now they're in a wheelchair and the beliefs that this client now has is, will I end up in a wheelchair Will I, am I destined to end up like my relative? This is not serving them and it has a massive effect on recovery times. When it comes to training programs, uh, it should always include intensity, not just, okay, you have to run 2K today. It should be you run 2K today at a 2 out of 10 intensity, uh, which is starting to emerge, which is really good. Other things that training programs should include is a rating scale of how hard your workout felt straight after your run. And we're starting to see that on a couple of apps these days. You might notice Strava's bringing it out, the Nike Run app. 
is always asking how your workout went, but it should also have how you feel before your run. How you're feeling today should be a really good question before you actually start your run as in gathering data to make and adapt that day's workout. It should be really helpful and we don't see that really ever. And that should go with when you see a physio. The physio should ask, what does this injury mean to you? What beliefs, what stories are you telling yourself? Because that can help recovery. And if you do have these thoughts, beliefs that aren't serving you, we can try and address those and say, okay, your relative's low back pain might be a different scenario, might be a different injury, might be affecting different tissues. They could be affected by beliefs and stories, but that's not you. You're your own individual This will heal in time. This is what we're going to do. This is the plan and the structure we're going to have in place in order for you to recover and just help address those issues. And this ties in really well with um, pain science. And I think I'll be bringing that out in season three because it's a really good foundational uh, lesson that everyone needs to know. So we'll be covering that in a bit more detail later in the podcast. And with that said, we have reached the conclusion of season one. We can now move forward into season two, which is all about strength and resistance training and all the above principles that we have now learnt, I can consider now as prior knowledge and we can go back and reflect briefly here and there just to remind ourselves, but in most cases, prior knowledge, we can now move on and dive into strength. So I'm really happy, keen and excited to bring you the next season I hope you're excited too. Let's continue on this journey together. Have a good day and bye for now. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world. So I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.